faith. We're uh, beginning our series in Ephesians today, something that I'm really excited about. Uh, and uh, we've heard Brett read our passage for this morning. Thanks for that, Brett. Ephesians 1, 1 to 14. Ephesians is a letter a little unlike some of the Apostle Paul's other letters. Uh, in some letters that he writes, you can tell that he's writing to a specific church. He mentions specific people and he mentions issues that are going on in that church. Ephesians is a bit different because there isn't that same kind of honing in on particular people and particular issues. And so uh, people talk about Ephesians as a circular letter because as much as it might have been written to the church in Ephesus, it was written to be circulated to believers all around the place in Ephesus, in the region around it, in Brisbane even, and read by people that Paul calls the faithful in Christ Jesus. Does that sound like you guys? I think it does. Paul begins the letter then by saying to God's holy people in Ephesus. But I want to challenge us for this season of a number of weeks where we're going to look at Ephesians to read it as though it says to God's holy people in Brisbane. So he goes like this, to God's holy people in Brisbane, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from our God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. And here, just in these first three verses, Paul cuts to the chase of what I think he's getting at in the passage for this morning. And that is, he is reminding us, God's faithful people, reminding us who we are in Jesus and confronting what I'm going to call the snowball effect of our sinful human nature. I'm not sure if you've had the chance to make a snowball before. We don't get that chance very much here in Queensland, but you've probably picked up that you can start with a small ball of snow and sort of press snow and ice into it. And it grows because snow and ice has this kind of attractive sticky quality to it. Uh, you might have seen cartoons where someone rolls a snowball down a snowy hill and as it rolls, it gets bigger and bigger and it rolls faster and faster as it develops momentum and eventually it smashes over whoever uh, it was chasing down the hill, whether that was Wile Coyote, Wile Coyote in the uh, Looney Tunes Christmas special. You get the picture that a snowball, snowballs, maybe you've heard that phrase, it gets momentum, it grows, it has a quality of, 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 of picking up more of itself to take on more weight, more size, more speed. And um, people in, say, addiction therapy know about this quality of uh, humanity where things that aren't necessarily great in who we are, what we might call sin in who we are, can snowball 
And so that's why uh, people say things like, uh, I can't even have one drink. I can't have one drink because one drink is never just one drink. I might have a very weak gin and tonic in the afternoon and before I know it, I'm waking up in the gutter somewhere after a week-long bender. Um, I have this problem that just snowballs. Uh, we don't all have that sort of issue with alcohol, thankfully. Um, but maybe you've had a similar experience with something like food. Maybe you've been on a health kick and you're really going forward with it and you're eating clean and you're feeling great. And then maybe something unexpected happens, like you get invited to an afternoon tea that you hadn't planned and you go there and people serve some food that maybe isn't really what you're eating to feel good at that moment in time, but you don't want to cause any offense. And so you have just a little bit of something that you shouldn't, I guess, in that moment. And the next thing you know, uh, you wake up the next morning next to an empty bucket of KFC because you get that feeling where you're like, oh, I'll just, I'm, I may as well just throw it all in. Uh, it's like the damn wall is open and uh, it's not worth going back. Funny how that happens in us. I don't know if you've experienced this, that so many times in life, we're either going forward or we're going backwards. To not go forward is to somehow go backwards. It's like it's impossible to just maintain a status quo. There's something in who we are as human beings that means we've got to advance, otherwise we'll slide back into a retreat. And there are two uh, parts to this, what is essentially a tragedy about what we're like as human beings. Uh, one is that we mess the world when we do that, you know, we ruin relationships, we make bad decisions, we affect our finances negatively, we affect our self-image negatively, a whole heap of just bad stuff rolls out from this kind of snowballing sinful nature that we've got. The second part of it though is that it does something to our relationship with God. Uh, not only do we wreck our kind of material world around us and our relationships, but it does something inside us that seems to take us away from where we should be at with God, right? It's one of those things that uh, it's like when you've done something that you know that you shouldn't and there's an opportunity to do, let's say, something good in church uh, and let's say the pastor says, hey, would you come and help us? I've seen a lot of this in youth, in, in youth leadership. Uh, there's an opportunity for a youth leader and they go, oh, I've got to talk to you. I can't take that opportunity up. I, I've been a dope. I've done the wrong thing. I just don't feel like I'm in the right place to do that. You know that thing where you feel like, oh, I'm not worthy to do, uh, to take this opportunity to kind of grow in God one way or another. It could also just be that whatever your place of nourishment is, in your spiritual life, whether it's your life group or whatever, when you're doing something that you know is not aligned with what's going on there, it's so easy to kind of back slowly out of that or just stop turning up. It's like if you're not going forward in that, you end up going backwards. There is a solution 
to this snowball situation. So, and that is uh, what Paul is going at full bore, I think, in this passage. And that is that Jesus redeemed us through his blood. He forgives our sins. He adopts us. It says, and I love this word, that God lavishes us with his grace. It'd take too long to go into the details of everything that Paul says that's good, that God is doing for us in this passage. But I'll just pick a few out here. Paul says that he has blessed you in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. He says that God chose you in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He says, in love, God predestined you for adoption to be his daughters and sons. It says you have been redeemed through Jesus' blood for the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavishes upon you. It says in verse 11, in him you were also chosen to bring, chosen for salvation to bring glory to God. Verse 13, when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you were included in Jesus. And my final one that I picked out, when you believed, Paul says to you, the Christians in Brisbane, when you believed you were marked in him with the seal of the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. Wow, that's like a full faucet of God's grace uh, just being poured on us, isn't it? If we take Paul's words there. As I was thinking about the snowball thing this week, I realized that um, that kind of quality of snow to be able to ball up, to gain momentum, talked about it as, as an image of sin, actually, of the things that we do that we shouldn't, that can kind of grow and speed up in our lives. That quality of snow to do that really only works in cold atmospheres, right? Um, if it's below zero and snow and ice is staying snow and ice, well, sure, you can pack it in together. You can make a snowball and a snowball can grow. But as I was thinking about actually the weather's warming up here and the idea of making a snowball, even if you came out of a cold room with a bunch of snow and tried to do it out in the backyard in the spring sun, uh, you'd be fighting a losing battle. It would melt, right? Works in an atmosphere of cold. Doesn't work in an atmosphere of heat. And... Um, I don't know if you've noticed with spring and with things warming up, uh, there's a few of our reptilian friends getting around uh, that we haven't seen for a while. I've noticed a few skinks here in the office that I haven't seen for a few months. Yesterday we went to Australia Zoo for Iggy's birthday and you can imagine there's a bunch of reptiles there. And what are they doing? They're lying out in the warm sun. They're soaking up the rays of the sun, the warmth and the light of it that 
is radiating down. They find the sunniest spot and they just bask out there. They bathe out there. I'm thinking yesterday as I'm looking at these reptiles basking in the sun. If we are in an atmosphere of cold where sin grows and sin can snowball in our life, I feel like the image that Paul's giving us here is like just blasting the propensity for us as human beings to do that stuff with sun, with light, saying this is what God is doing and has done for you. Step into that. Step out of the coldness of your own heart, the places where you can allow sin to snowball, and into the light of his grace. It's like the warmth and light of his love and grace. The place where he intends for you as a son or a daughter to live, where uh, he has taken care of that brokenness in you, that tendency in you to do the wrong thing. Be like a crocodile and find that sunny spot where he can lavish his light upon you, where he can lavish his grace upon you. It's shining. It's there to be had. It's just a matter of crawling into it, walking into it, accepting that he wants to give it to you. He doesn't want you to be living a life where you let things snowball that take you away from his purposes for you. He wants you to be living a life in the fullness of everything that he has to give. I'm going to invite us just now to actually take a bit of a step into that sunlight, uh, to take a step into the warmth and light of the grace that God lavishes upon us. And I'm going to do it by just praying. Some of these passages that we've looked at, these points of grace that Paul turns on in this passage, I'm going to personalize it for us. So as I pray one of these lines, I'm going to pause. I'm going to ask you just to probably internally repeat that line. These are truths from Scripture. These are things that Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, is saying that God has done for you. Step into the light here with me. Thank you, God, that you have blessed me in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Thank you, God, that you have chosen me before creation to be holy and blameless in your sight. Thank you, God, that in love you predestined me for adoption to be your daughter or son. Thank you, God, that you have redeemed me 
through the blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you, God, for the grace that you lavish on me. Thank you, God, that you chose me for salvation, to bring you glory. Thank you, God, that when I heard the good news, you included me in your son, Jesus. And thank you, God, that when I believed, you marked me with a seal, seal of the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit that guarantees my inheritance. Chase the sun this week, friends. Chase his grace. Don't let your tendency to let things snowball keep you on the periphery of the good things that God wants to do through you. You are his holy people. You are his chosen daughters and sons, meant to be at the very centre of his plans and purposes, wherever you are in the world whether it's Ephesus or Brisbane. Hey, I pray that you feel that lavish grace upon you this week, even as you uh, experience the spring sun on your face. Pray that you feel God's love. You're reminded of the fact that he has so much for you. He wants to bless you so much. He considers his sons and daughters. Hey, see you.